Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. One last time, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. So what have you guys been up to? It's been a week. Spoke to you last Sunday, and we are back today. You know, eventually I'm going to get us back on a steady schedule as far as the time that I start to show. But um, there's been a lot going on. It's been quite a bit going on. Uh, last week on the show, I talked about a variety of things, and I forgot that the inauguration was this weekend, right? So I wanted to talk about globalization or globalism or what have you, but we're not going to do that today because we got to talk about, you know, that guy in the White House, right? And that's how I'm pretty much going to refer to him. So, you know, that's that's where we're going with this. But yeah, that guy in the White House, he was inaugurated. And the press conference yesterday, now that was eye opening. Not sure about you guys, but I've never seen a press conference like that in my life. So, hmm. You know, we have some interesting days ahead of us. So, <laughs> um, yeah. We got some really, really interesting days ahead of us. So I'm experiencing a few technical difficulties over here with my browser. So while I wait for that to reboot, we can talk about a few things. All right. So there's a lot happening, but I'm going to give you some key things that you may want to go and look up. So in five states in as of right now, you know, five states, they're looking to change some laws in regards to peaceful protests. And in some cases, they want to give drivers the right to run over and hurt and or kill protesters, peaceful protesters on the highway. And it's just, you know, I posted it on my wall. So go over there and take a look, and you can find it on the Black Free Thinkers public page as well as the People of Color Beyond Faith page. And it's talking about these five Republican governors introducing these bills. And it's not just, you know, state laws that are being passed. In many of these cities, you have city ordinances or laws that are being passed in regards to protesters you know, um, that Blue Lives Matter law, just just a number of different ordinances and laws that are going on the books. You all need to pay attention to what's happening and what's going on because while you're focused on things that are very important to not only you but to me as well, and I understand, well, we cannot allow these types of laws to just slide through and to make their way through to make life miserable for all of the protesters. And because these are the people that are standing up and saying, no, they're not going to take it anymore, they're not going to allow, you know, state-sanctioned violence, 
to become a norm. It's not even so much about becoming a norm. It's a norm. And, you know, again, you all know how I feel about some of these things. You know, it becomes so commonplace that it's deemed normal. And it's not. And so, you know, we got to keep the challenge up. We got to keep, you know, putting pressure on them to, you know, not re-victimize the protesters, but to actually talk about the issues, to address the issues. And for, you know, every one of these major movements that have happened in this country is they have pretty much all been started because of police brutality. So, you know, I want you to go and look that information up and understand it. And in addition to that, I want you guys to go back and pay attention to, you know, different laws that are being passed, especially the laws with the school-to-prison pipeline. You know, you need to pay attention. You know, there is a bill in in, um, Illinois specifically, Bill 100, that I've been trying to get people, I'm like, you need to pay attention to this. You know, you need to ask some difficult and uncomfortable questions. And so, you know, these things are happening all over the country. Now, if you really want to look something up that's going to make every hair stand up on your body, go and do some research on America, Norway, Russia, troops, soldiers. Okay? Go look that up. And I think you would you will find that quite interesting, very 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 much so interesting. So, look that up. And you know, I'll give you a brief synopsis on what it's about. Basically, um a week before President Obama left office, he sent troops over to Norway. So troops have been deployed over there on the border to basically protect them from the possible um, Russian army. You know, again, they're over there taking territory or enlarging their territory. And so Norway and and a couple of other countries over there are very uncomfortable. But I want you guys to go and look that up because I have not seen that on these you know, news networks. And, you know, Raina brought that to my attention, so that's definitely a hat tip to her. And as a matter of fact, I'll find some information to post a little bit later on in regards to, you know, that particular endeavor that's taking place. But, yeah, you know, it's been an interesting weekend. Not sure if any of you all made your way out to the Women's March yesterday, and I know a few people who did, and, you know, I found that quite interesting. But, you know, we'll get into that a little bit in a minute. But, yeah, Hmm. during the inauguration, you had groups out there protesting. They were showing, you know, you know, some of the clashes with the police. They were throwing concussion um, grenades, and, you know, people were scattering. They were pepper spray. 
they pepper sprayed this one older woman, and when they were trying to help the older woman walk away from the other protesters, they got pepper sprayed even more, you know, and, you know, a couple of them braved and, you know, got get the woman away. What are we turning into? You know, um, and when I say that, they saw that that older woman was there and that she was injured, yet they kept on spraying and then sprayed anyone who dared to help her. So, I don't know, you know, good job to Black Lives Matter. They shut down some of the entryways for the inauguration. You know, the videos are out there. Go out, take a look at it. But, you know, they shut that shit down. So I have to give them credit. You know, they got out there and they did the dang on thing. So I've been, you know, watching, got a couple of inboxes and text messages from folks. And, you know, keeping an eye on what's going on, what was happening up there in D.C. So, you know, again, mm, there's so much going on, so, so, so much going on. But the people in D.C., you know, definitely you all have my support, you know, in regards to just having to deal with all of this fuckery. You know, and I have some issues. Of course I have some issues. I always have issues, right? And, uh, but in particular, regarding that women's march. And, you know, I'm going to get into it, but I don't know. It's It's like... Sometimes I come on this show and the things that I want to say, you know, sometimes I sanitize it. And it's not so much for me. Sometimes I do it for you guys because I'm not trying to get you riled up. I'm not trying to get you angry. I'm not trying to get you upset. You know, but sometimes... It takes special words, you know, in order to convey my feelings. And so, you know, it's a number of things that I've wanted to say, but it makes me wonder because it's like, you know, what kind of ism or phobia am I committing when I say certain things? Um, I'll tell you, I really like the word bitch assness, but people, you know, they seem to frown on that shit. I don't know why. It's really a fun word, and it applies to everyone when I say it, but oh, well, yes, you know, so um, that March. So there's been, you know, some – there's been controversy from day one. In in regards to that march, right? And, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you that I did not participate in the march. You know, I did not volunteer for anything. 
I did not accept any invitations for it. And I, you know, in my mind, I had been saying all the way up to the morning that I wasn't going to attend. And then I ended up going, like, you know, I ended up downtown. I Ubered downtown, but I stayed on the outskirts because, number one, I don't do crowds. And number two, I wasn't necessarily there to support them. You know, what I did was when I showed up and I, you know, was standing around and saw a couple of people that I knew and we had a conversation, but I went to support the black organizers that put in so much hard work, so much hard work to help that happen. And the fact that I know that they're going to be factored out and whitewashed in history in regards to this march. That is why I went. You know, these white women have not been our allies. Most of them, no. And so it's been some controversy, some controversy in regards to this march. And, you know, this fuckery goes all the way back to the very beginning, you know, of the march because they wanted to call themselves, you know, the Million Woman March and totally disregard and shit on the Million Women's March that took place in Philadelphia 20 years ago. And so it's little things like that that piss off black folks, white people. You have not figured it out. We don't like that shit. You know, and the fact that we had to fight you to get you to change even the name of, you know, the march. You know, that says a lot. That says a hell of a lot. You know, and from my understanding, there was a trans woman of color who was speaking, and they cut her mic off. What is that about? So I'm sitting here, and, you know, I was talking to, you know, one of the people that I knew out there. And, of course, you know, we're laughing about some things, but I only went for a few minutes just to kind of look around and then immediately leave which is what I did because the ride from downtown, well, from my house to downtown, talking for about a half hour and then getting an Uber home, you know, that it all turned, it was about an hour. That's about all the time that I invested in that. And, again, I only went to support, you know, the women of color that helped to organize that. But, you know, I'm at the point that you cannot use my name, you cannot use me to help you to promote any damn thing if you do not want to use my voice. And unfortunately, you know, there have been some difficulties in regards to this march and the difficulties of the relationship between black feminists and white feminists, right? So this is nothing new as far as this conflict is concerned. 
not new at all. So I posted something on my Facebook page yesterday. I'm going to post quite a bit more. Well, not quite a bit. It's only going to be a few more things. Um, I posted an article by Jamila Lemieux, and it says why I'm skipping the Women's March on Washington. And it 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 that article was wonderful, and it summarized quite a bit of how I felt in regards to this march. So. There's so much to talk about. You know, I didn't really do a monologue today. But, yeah, I want you guys to go look up that Norway, Russia, United States troop deployment. You know, that'll make the hair stand up. You'll wake up after you read that one. So let me read the show notes to you. And it says, excuse me, Dear White America, not so funny anymore, is it? Donald Trump has been sworn into the office of President of the United States. States. Mass protests have been taking place all over the world, and it's not going away anytime soon. And I wasn't necessarily just referring to the Women's March yesterday. I was talking to, about the protests that happened all over the world during the inauguration, as well as the protests that have been taking place since it was determined that he won the presidency. So I want to make sure you understand that, you know, when I say that, it's all encompassing, right? So I'm conflicted about being asked to support white women and men for a number of issues that seem self-inflicted. I'm conflicted about putting my life, sanity, livelihood, freedom, etc., on the line for people who don't give a shit about the oppression that people of color endure on a daily basis. I'm conflicted because many of the same people asking for support only seek many people of color just to be able to claim diversity and inclusion. So, you know, they're not asking or talking to all of the people of color, just the noble ones that they consider worthy of, you know, of of them actually giving a damn or paying any little bit of attention to, you know, the crumbs. I'm conflicted because at the end of the march, and I have parts here and I need to correct that, but I'm conflicted because at the end of the march, parade, protest, whatever you want to call it, they get to go back to their lily-white, non-black neighbor-having lives. Right? They get to go back to their white privilege lives. That white privilege that they're not going to give up for any damn body. Anyway, I'm conflicted because you blame us for not fixing problems that we never created. You created this and you profit from it. You know, I'm conflicted because your support comes with strings and obnoxious demands. I'm conflicted because you interrupt me while I'm speaking and then claim that I am trying to silence you. I'm conflicted because when I see, when I seek out other people of color with whom to identify, you then call it reverse racism. Well, you know good and damn well that you never, ever prepared a place for us and I have me here, but no, a place for us at the table until you were called out. And even the place that you sat at the table, it, it was lacking and insufficient. And it was done begrudgingly. And, you know, right here, am I angry? Yes. You know, and what's so interesting is when when you have a white person, you know, make an accusation of, you're so angry. 
and you respond, yes, yes, I am. Then they sit there, and you see this look on their face like, you know, do you have anything else that you want to add to that, you know, to, to that yes or no, depending on the question? And the answer is no. There is nothing else to add to that. I don't know you an explanation for shit. And you're demanding an explanation. Well, you know, here we go again with agency of our bodies and white people thinking that we owe them an explanation for every damn thing. You know, I guess we don't have agency until they decide that they're going to give it to us. You know, and we've spent so much time, so much time and energy trying to demand that they recognize our humanity, and they're never going to do it. So anyway, let me move on with this. You know, And, you know, one of the other questions, you know, that sometimes, you know, they may ask you is, do you apologize for being angry? And the answer to that is, hell no. How can you make someone apologize for being angry? How how does that work? And then you hear this bullshit. You could have said that differently. I could have said a whole bunch of damn things differently. I said it the way that I wanted to say it. Fuck you, and you can quote me on that shit right there. And it's just so funny because they have these looks of righteous indignation, and then now you're offended because not only am I saying that I'm angry and I'm not going to change my attitude and screw you and what you're trying to say and what you're trying to make me do. Now you're mad. Kind of reminds me of that white guy down in Florida that shot young Mr. Jordan because he wouldn't turn his music down. You don't talk to me like that. I'm a white person. And too many white people have that attitude. And so, you know, then you get some some questions, you know, like, you know, can you help me heal? No. I don't want you to help me to do shit. Every time you have tried to reach out and help me, it has turned into a fucking disaster, you know. And, again, put this in context, you know, because what I'm saying right here is in regards to every time you try to help me, you know, there have been people that have helped me over the years. There are people who help me now and will help me in the future, which is why I turn and I help other people. But in this regard, right here, you know, when when you, when I have someone say, well, can I help you heal, it's only because they want to use me for whatever plans that they have at that moment. So, you know, what can we do to appease you or to to kind of get you under control? Right? So that you can do what we want and need for you to do at this time. You know, and so then it's it's just it's really interesting because then, you know, it's like, no, I don't need you to define my pain and determine that I should just get over it. Why? Because we've heard this before. And that's something that white people have really fucking bad. Oh, just get over it. Really? Act like that shit never happened. Act like it's okay. You want us to shut up? 
so that you don't feel bad, you don't feel guilty, you don't feel any responsibility. And so when we start talking about black pain and black anger, you know, you can just feel their eyes rolling in the back of their heads. And some of them will just outright start rolling their eyes. You know, and and what's so horrible about it is they capitalize and profit from black pain and black anger. They're afraid of black rage, right, which is a very real thing. So anyway, then you'll get a question like, well, how long have you felt this way? And it makes me turn around and look around to see if they're talking to somebody standing behind me because it's like, have you been living under a fucking rock? You know, and the last line here, you know, I'm starting to believe that you get off on people of color being harmed, damaged, disrespected, and marginalized. And I'm looking at the spelling here. Forgive me, y'all. So anyway, you never intended on giving up your white privilege. USA. Right, and so it's um, yeah, yeah, this is what we live in, this is what we live through, this is what we have to deal with on a daily basis, you know, from different people, and then you'll have some of them say, Well. You know, I didn't mean any offense, and I'm sorry that, you know, that that, that you're hurt, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to become educated on this, and, you know, can you just give me credit for that? But see, this is not a game. You know, this is not a game. You don't get credit for for being a decent person. How does that work? How are you demanding that I give you credit for treating me like a human being? I don't get that. I do not get it. I do not understand it. No matter what you say or do, I'll never understand that shit. And so last week on the show, you know, I was talking about some of these so-called white allies. And, again, with the strings attached and how, how you must, do as as they demand that you do. You must say what they demand, you know, that you say. And if you don't, then they're going to kick you out of their little exclusive club. And what's so interesting is black women started the feminism movement, our woman. And so it's really interesting because, you know, I've been distancing myself from a lot of different groups and people over the past several years. And some of these people I never affiliated myself with, you know, from day one, you know, as, as you know, a friend of mine would say, I have been the third rail since day one, right? 
And I'm okay with that. I'm actually proud of it because I'm standing up for what I believe in. And there's no amount of money that you can offer me to to change my mind or to change my thoughts or to validate you and validate the nonsense that you have going on and that you try to justify. You don't get to do that. And you don't get to do that with my name and my voice. There are plenty of other black folks out there, token Negroes, that would be more than happy to sell you their voice, sell you their image, especially if they think they're going to get something out of it and that they're going to benefit from, you know, which is why I found it, you know, quite funny, you know, in regards to some of the people that I saw, (laughs) you know, that went to the march. And it's really so much more that I can add to that, but it's not worth getting agitated over. You know, I determined that a long time ago, but especially today. It's, it's just it's not freaking worth it, right? And so, you know, it's sometimes this is very difficult. It's very difficult in considering the political and cultural climate, you know, that we're dealing with because, again, having that man in the White House and his where's Waldo presidency because that's what it's turning into. You know, I'll watch different news television programs and they'll say, well, where is he now? What is he going to do? Where is he going to speak? You know, it feels like, you know, where is Waldo? And what's so interesting was when I heard some of these talking heads talking about the Women's March, number one, they were afraid that, you know, Donald Trump knew about the protests that were taking place, not only the day of the inauguration, but even the next day with the Williams March, you know, he was going to be upset with the media for covering it and showing it, especially the protesters on the day of the inauguration. And they seemed more afraid of that than anything else. They were more afraid of that guy punishing them for covering the protesters. And you saw what we got yesterday. Did you see that that press conference? That was interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting. I wonder how long this press secretary is going to last. You know, so, you know, I'm taking bets on that. I'm not giving this due more than a year. So it's going to be interesting. But, you know, so much happening, so much wrong going on for a number of reasons. And I cannot and I will not stand in solidarity with the very same women, white women, who voted this idiot into office. That's the thing. And that was my biggest complaint from day one in regards to this march and why I could not march with them, why I could not and would not stand with them 
And I still don't stand with them. I showed up a little bit, you know, towards the end on the outskirts, you know, talked to a couple of folks and left. But that was for the black organizers. I did not want them to to think that their hard work was in vain. And so what's interesting is some of the conversations that I'm seeing on social media and how you have some black women pointing the finger at other black women, telling them that they should have been out there marching and that they were obligated to be out there. And then see how contentious the conversation gets when, you know, the accused black women talk about the racism that's within the feminist movement and how it's not being addressed. And, you know, it's it's really interesting because then you get all of this white fragility coming out. Well, we need to put race behind us. What the fuck you mean? I'm looking at the white woman like she done lost her goddamn mind. Put the put race behind us, really? And see, and this is where some of the conflict comes in. So, in regards to the march that happened yesterday, um, this march lost a lot of support because they would not talk about race. You know. Intersectionality is for black people, right? And that's been one of the battles within the feminist movement is is trying to get white feminists to understand why intersectionality is so important. And them not understanding that in most cases when they they call themselves implementing intersectionality No, what you're implementing is assimilation. You're not implementing intersectionality. You're implementing assimilation. Got my lips right today, yo. I'm probably going to kill the word in a little bit, but hey. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I've been conflicted. I'm conflicted, you know, when I wrote that and was talking about how conflicted I was. It's so, so much more to it. And I hate when I get all inside of my head and my feelings. And, you know, all of that comes out. And I start writing, which I hate to do, but I start writing. And it's hard to stop because you have all these feelings just being kicked up at the same time. And you know you got to rein it in. you got to rein it in, and you have to channel that anger and that energy into something positive. And that's another reason why I do this show, because this is cathartic for me. And it's going to be more coming this year, you know, the last couple of years, I've kind of had to pull back on some things. Trust me, it was for the benefit of all. But, um, yeah, you know, so Professor Fleming put out this tweet, and I posted it on my wall. And, it, and she said, we got white people running around leading the 
quote unquote resistance who can't even pick up the phone and talk to their Trump supporting friends. Now that's the truth. You got a whole bunch of white folks running around talking about they're leading the resistance, right? And they're capitalizing off of it. See, that's the thing that I want you guys to pay attention to and to understand. These white women and white men ain't doing this shit for free. They're benefiting from it. They're capitalizing on it while they still are words, while they still are intellectual product. You know, uh, intellectual property While they still Just every damn thing And what's so interesting Is that other white people Will support them and give them money And when we ask for donations Maybe crickets and tumbleweeds Right You really want to know why I'm angry We can start there and, you know, I you have a lot of resentment for how they are turning this, quote-unquote, resist into, you know, a capitalistic industry. And it's not just white people doing this. Some black people, you know, making money off of it, too. You know, but it's primarily white folks. And so, you know, I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at all of this, and I'm seeing all of the craziness and all the bullshit going on, and I'm like, really? You know, and you know, if you go and you look at some of the images for today's show, it shows an image of a black woman talking to a white woman. And so the black woman was speaking, and the white woman interrupted her, and the black woman was like, wait a minute, you know, I was speaking. I was talking. And then the white woman in the cartoon got angry saying, why are you trying to silence me? And it's not that the black woman was trying to silence her, but it was the white woman trying to finish the thoughts and the sentence you know that that the black woman was in the middle of as though that that white woman could could speak to our pain and our anger better than the black woman and when the black woman brought it to her attention that she could speak for herself now you know they're flipping the script why are you trying to silence me and the shit is absolutely ridiculous and we get this every day and and when we talk about it, here comes the white tears. And so with this particular situation that we're dealing with now, not only with the Where's Waldo presidency, you know, and just, you know, white women, the fuck is wrong with you? You're out here. And you put together this million, well, not million, this women's march, which was very successful. You know, I think the estimate was about 2.5 million women and men and children worldwide participating. That was a freaking success. And and that's the whole thing. But I want to make sure that the black women and the Muslim women and the Latina, you know, I want to make sure that the people of color 
get the credit that they deserve that helped put this together. So we cannot allow them to factor them out of that equation. Well, anyway, I'm trying to understand how some of you white women are out here marching in men, you know, how you're out here marching and protesting Donald Trump when you voted for him. It was white women who put him over the top, that pushed him over the edge, that 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 solidified his win. And so, you know, I hear some of the most foolishness, you know, it's like, seriously, you voted for him, but you didn't vote for him to defund Planned Parenthood? Oh, I got that right today. I was on the phone with someone, and I kept trying to call it Parent Plannedhood. But anyway. You're angry because, you know, they want to take birth control away. They want to take abortion away and many, many other things. But yet you voted for him. Does that work? You voted for him. You donated money to him. You donated resources to him. Oh, but leave my vagina alone. He made it clear he was going to do more than just grab pussies. They were going to lock them bitches up. But you're out there protesting. And I'm trying to understand how you, I mean, seriously, you voted for him. It's all kind of four-letter words going on in my head right about now. I don't understand you. I, I, you know, and and again, it's all about whiteness being centered. And you know, the the election of Donald Trump is basically, well, we already know that is, you know, drowning and white supremacy and white privilege. But, you know, um, it was about white people not losing the white privilege that they claim that they don't have. And that is what it boils down to. And so what's interesting, because we got to go back, we got to take this back a little bit, because remember when that domestic terrorist assassined, assassin killed all those people in South Carolina in that church. And he stated that, you know, black people or black men are taking all of the white women away and, you know, and, and, you know, that narrative about, you know, white women and their purity and, virginity and wholesomeness and you know there's a whole bunch of shit going on with that right and how he and other white men are the protectors of that you know you know the virtuous white woman you know and and the ever so delicate white race right and you had a number of white feminists 
saying, you don't speak for me. Don't use me as an excuse for your hate crimes. Don't use me as an excuse for A, B, C, D, and E. But some of the same white women that said that turned around and voted for Donald. I almost said his name. Voted for that guy. And so, you know, it's like you can deal with all the other shit that he's going to do, but don't take your abortions and birth control away, right? You can deal with all the other shit he's going to do, but don't take your equal pay away, right? You can do what the fuck ever to anybody else, but don't touch these things because this is what matters to us. That's what I'm hearing. And I'm hearing so much more. And sometimes it's really hard to put this shit into words without getting angry, without becoming emotional about it. And so, you know, yesterday, so when I was sitting there and observing and looking around and, you know, talking to a couple of folks, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the white women that were there and, you know, I saw people skipping around and hopping and jumping and just as fucking happy as they wanted to be. Where were you people when they were killing our babies and our brothers and sisters in the street like dogs? And see, I use past tense. It's not past tense. It's still happening. They are still killing black, brown, red, yellow, and white people with impunity. And so, you know, you hear me talking about working class and poor whites and how, you know, I view them as a threat. And I do. And, you know, one of the reasons why is because you have some that will carry out these threats, that will carry out you know, some of the acts of violence. Not all of them. You know, you got your few. But, you know, the biggest threat are the wealthy white people who support these types of people. That is the biggest and the main threat. And what's so interesting is, you know, people want to skirt around that and ignore it. But, you know, again, I'm sitting there and I'm watching white people just happy, you know, just, just, just all. And I'm looking at some of the black women and, you know, they're looking at me. And, you know, you know how we can have a conversation without a word being said? I had several of those yesterday. And so when I was, you know, online, especially on Twitter, and I'm reading some of the tweets, and, you know, right, sometimes, you know, 
You just want to walk up to some of these people and just ask them, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, everything is fine as long as it's branded white and it's white-centered and most importantly, white-approved, right? And so what's so interesting was, you know, I saw some women of color caught up in the same type of hoopla. I don't know what you think you're going to get out of this. You got to remember, that guy they elected into office is known for not paying off folks, but so are many of these other folks. So, you know, some of you women of color who think you're going to benefit from this and get something out of it, time will tell, right? And so what was so interesting and one of the more poignant photos I saw were black women from Flint, Michigan in, you know, in D.C. And they were reminding people about the situation that's still ongoing in Flint and other issues. You had people, you know, representing a number of different communities, a number of different issues, but, you know, the organizers of this march wanted to keep it fun and carefree and, you know, as non-political as possible. So they didn't want to talk about race. They didn't want to talk about class. But most importantly, they didn't want to talk about political affiliation because it would make certain people uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, seriously, isn't that what change is about? pushing you out of your comfort zone. In order for anything to change, to move, you need friction. And you get these people running around saying, yeah, we support you all and, you know, black lives matter and Latino lives matter and native lives matter, right? But don't rock the boat. Give the system some time. It'll get better. And it hasn't, which is why I kept putting up those articles about Martin Luther King Jr. And I know some people were like, well, you ain't really been posting in a year, but you posted the hell out of the MLK stuff. It was only certain things that I posted. And, and again, many of these progressive liberal whites do not have our best interest at heart. Some of them really believe that they do, but they don't. You know, they they want they claim that they want us to have justice, but not if it's going to cause conflict, not if it's going to inconvenience them. And so what's so interesting is one of the governors that's trying to introduce a bill in his state, you know, he, he wants to punish protesters for economic terrorism. So now you get to tell us that we got to spend our money with you? 
We can't boycott your business. And so when I'm looking at all of this, this is where the intersectionality comes in, right? And why I say intersectionality is for black women because, you know, I won't say that white women do not understand it. They don't want to understand it. And they don't want to deal with it. And so, you know, by ignoring race and class issues, that doesn't make things go it doesn't make it go away. You know, and, and even with the trans, you know, people, you know, they silenced one particular trans speaker. Because she, you know, brought up a couple of issues that they didn't want to talk about. It was too political. It was too hot. And, you know, where where are you people when we're out here marching for justice? Where are you? You know, and I was sitting there listening to some of the interviews, you know, on a network television. And they were talking, some of the people were like, oh, this is the first time I marched ever. You know, and it turned into a big old party for them. You know, and I saw some black people, some black women, oh, I've never marched anywhere for anything before. This was great. You know, supporting the Trump voting hypocrites, right? And so, you know, it's really interesting because sometimes I look at some of these, you know, women of color, and especially the ones that are shucking and jiving for their dinner and desperate for validation and acceptance, desperation for a seat at the table when they never place a setting for you. I don't know how many times I have to tell you guys you're the help or the entertainment. It's about their enjoyment. And so, you know, I'm trying to snap out of this, right? And, you know, I have nieces and nephews, cousins, you know, in, inherited relatives, you know, extended chosen relatives you know, that are affected by all of these things. You know, we have white folks in our family. Yep, 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 we do. And so, you know, I'll never be able to understand some of the reasoning behind white people who voted for Trump but thought that he really wasn't going to touch things that they consider important to them. He said he was going to defund Planned Parenthood. Why didn't you believe him? He said he was going to repeal Obamacare. Why didn't you believe him? Oh, you didn't know the Affordable Care Act was Obamacare? Hmm. You were angry. at the political elite or political misleadership class, right? So you voted for Trump because you wanted something different. 
and all you are getting is the same bullshit on steroids. And the rest of us have to suffer for your choices. And so what's so interesting is I I, um, I posted an article on my wall, and the title of the article is Donald Trump was already my president. And so in that particular article, it talks about how we've lived through Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, Bill Clinton, and, you know, a number of mayors and governors and, and you know, even with certain places where you live with your neighbors. We've already lived under that shit. And when things get tough, not if, because it's going to happen. We know how to adjust. And so what's so interesting is, you know, one of the cartoons that I <laughs> that I put in the framework for today's show, it was talking about white women stating that how life is so hard and difficult for them and they're white so they don't understand you know how that happens or why they have to live through that but you don't understand and you don't believe that there is such a thing as white privilege or white supremacy but you recognize that you're a white woman and that certain things that you that you're dealing with you shouldn't have to deal with it because you're white I mean seriously I want you guys to think about that shit and so you know what's so interesting is when we start talking women of color when we start talking about these things and pointing out the obvious contradictions then we get the tears then we get called racists then we get called a number of other words and we have to deal with the tears and then we have to deal with the anger I mean you know it's like you go through the stages of grief you know within a 30 minute period and you know you're offended then you're in denial and then finally you go into acceptance and here comes the tears. You know, and and you understand perfectly well what you're doing. And you claim to care when we bring it up, but in all essence you don't give a damn because it's about you, your life, what's best for you, what's best for the people around you. And again, you know, one of the issues is with some of the white people who are so-called allies, you get to go back to your lily white neighborhood with your lily white friends and your lily white neighbors and not have to deal with people of color. And there are too many of you that are not willing to do the homework and the research needed 
for you to understand what's going on in these communities and how you're complicit, sometimes knowingly complicit, sometimes not so much. And just because you're ignorant to certain things, that doesn't give you a pass. You know, and so that's why some of you <laughs> have the nerve to stand up and say, well, we got to put race behind us. Really? And so what was so interesting is I retweeted some information from uh, Hustle and Fro on Twitter, Negrita. And um, she said, how many white women showed up to the Women's March today? How many show up when we march about our brothers, sisters, and babies killed? Right? And um, it says they can get another, you know, tweet. They can get the fuck up when their birth, birth control is at risk. But when our people are getting shot up, it's a whole other story. Incredible. You know, and despite all of the foolery and fuckery that occurred in the beginning stages of the organization of the march, black women showed up. And so, you know, I spoke to that a little bit earlier because they wanted to name this march the Million Women's March, totally overshadowing, you know, the women's, the Million Women's March from 20 years ago in Philadelphia. And see, this is the type of shit that happens all the time and that upsets us and then, you know, white women want to feign ignorance. White people in general, it's not just white women, you know, and how, you know, they lost support from, you know, NAACP in certain places, all of that because of the fact that, you know, they didn't want to address certain issues. And what I found interesting was um, I was watching Bill Maher, right? And he was talking about, well, he had Jane Fonda on. And Jane Fonda basically was talking about how race and class needed to be brought up in this march, which is what many women of color, you know, stated. But, of course, you didn't want to make, you know, white women uncomfortable, right? And so, you know, Negrita, you go over there and look up, you know, hustle and flow because, you know, she's talking about how we show up for them but they don't show up for us. They've thrown us under the bus a number of times. And what's so interesting about it is when we bring that type of thing up and talk about how we've kind of withdrawn support for many of the white feminists, then you get these, you know, black nationalists, you know, coming over and saying shit like, we told you so. And what's so funny is this is not anything new. This has been happening. I'm going to post um, a couple more things. I have something on my wall now. Go over there and take a look. But, you know, this is nothing new. 
there's always been that tension there. And so what's so interesting is when you have these, you know, so-called conscious nationalists, you know, people, you know, looking at us and smirking and saying, we told you so, you know, all it does is remind us, you know, the shit that we've had to deal with with white women. It's like they're not listening to us and neither are you. We've addressed this on many, many occasions, which is why that solidarity is for white women, why that went viral. You know, and so, yeah, you know, the whole thing, you know, is is horrible. And we need to deal with it. So, yeah, you know, you had Amy Schumer and Madonna up there. What was so interesting about that is when Madonna, you know, dropped the F-bomb a couple of times, the networks didn't know what to do. And so, you know, it's another, you know, woman on Twitter, and she said, when black people march for our rights against police brutality, et cetera, we're met with hostile police just like they're ready for war. But yesterday, the police were out there smiling, you know, giving high fives, giving hugs away, taking selfies with people. Really? Seriously? So we see this shit. We see this shit. And Maya Angelique, you know, if you look her up on Twitter, Maya A. Monroe, at Maya A. Monroe, she says, we declare things like black lives matter and that our lives hold value. They try to silence and overshadow us, creating all lives matter. Blue lives matter. White lives matter. And she also said black women have been marching for women's rights, like Planned Parenthood and all of that for black and people of color, LGBTQIA plus communities. We've been marching for that for years. Years. But never given the credit. never given the credit for what we've done, never given the credit for what we developed, what we created. But we're supposed to be okay with that. You know, and it was so interesting is that you have these people in these different communities, right? And, you know... Some of your so-called white allies, they voted for Donald Trump. They're not going to tell you that they voted for Donald Trump, but that's exactly what the hell they did. And they're ashamed to admit it. So, you know, yeah... This fool, anyway, huh, huh, 
Let me tell you. Some of the shit that some of us have to deal with, you know, what I always find quite interesting are drive-by comments. You know, and and you'll send me some fucked-up-ass inbox and then turn around and block me after you sent it. Yeah, that takes, yeah, you got guts there, coward. You know, and someone just inboxed me, and they said, yeah, white women were up front controlling the narrative as usual. Exactly. Exactly. And and see, and that's the thing. And when we talk about it and and we try to get you to understand, and, and you know, and I'm looking at this because it's like we're pleading for our fucking humanity. It's like we're begging you to recognize us as human. We're begging you to recognize us as being equal to you. We, you know, we're begging you to just acknowledge our fucking existence. And this has been happening from day fucking one. And I tired of that shit years ago. I'm not begging anybody for shit. Fuck that. Take it back. And so, like I said earlier, you're not going to use my name. You're not going to use, you know, my resources. You're not going to use my image. You're not going to use any of that if you do not use my voice. And see, and that's the problem with many situations like this here because they want you to sit over there, shut up, be quiet, and be, you know, be a good girl, right, or a good gal because we know what's best for you. And we only invited just enough of you so that we can say that we had diversity that we were inclusive and try to feign that they understand our issues and our pain. They don't give a shit. And so what's so interesting about all of this is, like I said, not so funny anymore, is it? Donald Trump told you exactly who the fuck he was and what he was going to do. And you laughed it off. You didn't believe him. And now you want to fucking march? And then turn around and disparage the black, Latino, you know, Asian, indigenous, and some white feminists that didn't support you that didn't promote this, and you're angry because they didn't come out. I really want you to think about that. You know, and and I want you to ask yourself why. Why would they not come out? And, you know, again, like I said, 
we're dealing with is where is Waldo presidency, right? And this is just the beginning. I mean, today is only day two. And he's signing executive orders like this is nobody's business. And so, you know, we have Mr. Dick Tater in office, right? And, um, huh. And it's interesting, someone just sent me a picture of a man that was at the march, and he had a sign, and he said, I was going to write my opinion, but it's probably about time white men just shut up and listened. Well, yeah. And white women, too. And see, what's so interesting is they, many of the white people that attended this and that, you know, supported this, you know, you did it to yourselves. And I hate to say that, you know, because you voted this guy in and someone just said on my wall, they ain't seen nothing yet exactly. And that's what I'm trying to get across to them. It's already bad enough that we feel like we're on this roller coaster ride that we can't get off and and you know, we can't even shut our eyes to this shit. And a roller coaster never stops. But for some odd reason, some kind of way, they still end up picking up <laughs> you know, picking up new passengers. And some of you who thought that you were not going to be caught up, you know, on this roller coaster ride. I don't know what kind of rock you were living under, but child, I'm just looking around and it's like, really? So, I mean, at this point, like I said, they're trying to introduce bills, you know, citing economic terrorism. You know, so I guess they're going to force us to spend our money with people that we don't necessarily want to spend it with. And, you know, again, one thing I do know about white people is if you start fucking with their loot, their money, they get really upset about that. And, you know, economic boycotts, you know, is one of the main ways that we can shut a whole bunch of this shit down. And I'm not talking about one for just one day. Because all the all the people are going to do is the things they didn't buy yesterday during a boycott, they're going to go and get it today. So, you know, they're still going to profit from it. And so it was an article. And I put it on my wall. And basically the synopsis of the article was, you know, we we're always talking about how the system, white supremacy, needs to be dismantled, deconstructed, destroyed. 
And in this particular article, it was telling different ways in which how we could do that. And what was so interesting about it is, you know, again, I told you all last week I'm rethinking the voting thing and all of that and, you know, conflicted, got all of this shit going on in my head, just trying to wrap my mind around what just happened. And, um, you know, the midterm elections are coming up in 2018. And see, that's the difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. The Republicans are already starting, you know, wooing the voters and gerrymandering and the redistricting and, and the voter suppression. They're organized. I don't know what the hell the Democrats are doing. But, again, I'm not a fan of either system. I'm not a Democrat, nor am I a Republican. But, um, again, going back to that article, you know, one part in it, they were talking about if you're being called up for jury duty. That's how I ended up on a voting thing. Um, When you register to vote, your name is on the list, and you may be called in for jury duty, right? And so, you know, he was talking about how if you're on the jury and if someone is in court being sued or owing a wealthy white developer a lot of money, acquit that person and give that wealthy white developer nothing. And other tactics that would, you know, basically have white people spontaneously combusting because now you're fucking with their money. And so let me go out to my page so I can tell you the name of the article because, you know, it it was um so yeah. It it was interesting. You know, it was a good article. And I actually want you guys to go back and read it. But, you know, it was talking about different ways in which you can force the system to implode on itself, right? And, of course, Facebook does not want to cooperate with me. You can go to the one on my phone. And so um, different ways you can turn the system upside down. In different ways, you can get the attention of people who generally ignore us and disrespect us and, you know, basically have studied us all the way down to our toenails and know that really nothing is going to come of certain threats, right? But we need to follow through on a lot of this stuff because it's not changing, it's not going to change. Asking for and begging for your humanity, that has never worked. You know, asking to be recognized, asking for a seat at the table, no, not so much. You have to demand these things. And in addition to demanding these things, you have to follow through. And so the name of this article is, Here's How Black People Could Use Jury Nullification to Break the Justice System. 
Again, here's how black people could use jury nullification to break the justice system. And it was written by Ellie Mistel, M-Y-S-T-A-L, E-L-I-E Mistel. And it's on Above the Law. So it's posted on my wall. I'll repost it a little bit later. But, um, you know, we have to do something. And, you know, I... You know, there are a number of good articles out there, but I believe that Jamila Lemieux wrote one of the best ones on color lines, and the title of her article is "Why I'm Skipping the Million Why I'm Skipping the Women's March on Washington." And I'm sitting here because you know I'm wanting to call it the Million Women's March. And it's nothing like the Million Women's March that was in Philadelphia. And it's like, can't we have something of our own? And so I want you guys to go out there and and read that particular article. And, you know, she's talking about how, you know, white women or some white folks you know, are out here trying to understand how Trump was elected and why did it happen? Because you voted for him. And so many of you all thought that this was a joke. You thought it was funny. And we were throwing up the white flags, you know, running Hail Marys. It's like, no, this guy can win. And you laughed it off. And some of you voted for him as a joke. And so what's so interesting is, you know, some of this is self-inflicted. He said he was going to defund Planned Parenthood. You voted for him. But wait a minute. You don't want him taking away your birth control and you don't want him grabbing up on your damn pussy when he told you he was going to do that. I don't understand. You know, and I'm seeing these women out here crying and and carrying on. But you pushed that button. where you popped out that chad, whatever the hell. You know, and and what you did was you put you put us in danger. More danger than we're already in. But again, it goes back to like I said, like, well, you know, I'm a white woman, and, you know, my life is not supposed to be that difficult. You know, things are supposed to be easier for me because I am a white woman, while at the same time denying white privilege and white supremacy. And so, hmm, there are some of us that are sitting back and kind of laughing at this shit, right? You know, there's no no need for me to sugarcoat it. You know, I get in trouble sometimes because, you know, it's a whole bunch of shit that I do not sugarcoat. 
Why the hell should I? And then there are times when I sugarcoat shit, and people get mad, and they're like, nah, you got to give it to them straight. You know, it's interesting how you want people to give it to to other folks straight, but when it comes to you, you want us to put a little sugar on it, right? And so it's interesting because, you know, a lot of these white women are out here marching because they don't want to be treated like people of color have been treated, especially black women. And what has happened is you voted yourself into a situation in which that could happen. I'm not really banking on that happening because, again, you got to look at these men that, you know, and some women that you voted into office with that patriarchal mindset. However... There are consequences to that shit. And so, you know, in Jamila's article here, she was talking about how, you know, some of these women wanted to channel their disappointment into a million women march. And, um, you know, (laughs) and she brought up the million women march and the million men's march and, all of these things. And and here we go again. You know, you're co-opting our shit, just like you're co-opting social justice and, and a whole bunch of other shit. And, you know, Jamila was talking about, you know, us being erased and our accomplishments being erased by clueless white folks. No, I don't think they're clueless. I think they just don't give a shit. And, you know, I used to be one of those people, and I would be like, no, they don't know. But after being around and talking to some, most of you fuckers know. And what's so interesting is some of you have the nerve to get angry because me and some other folks like me were like, no, we ain't coming to your shit. And I see you calling. Give me a minute here. You know, it's like, no, we ain't coming to your shit. You know, you're charging $300, you know, for a ticket. And you call yourself a civil rights, human rights, social justice warrior, whatever the fuck. And the very people that you you claim that you're trying to help, they can't even afford to come to this shit. And so you, you try to bring in speakers of color so they can tell you about a whole bunch of shit that you already know about. They can tell you about a whole bunch of shit that you're too lazy to go out and research and read about. You want us to come there and give you the fucking cliff notes, but you'll research the fuck out of how to, you know, do anything else. And then you get angry when we say that we're not going to be your token. We're not going to be your, quote, unquote, black friend, you know, the one you meet out at the bar but has never been to your house, has never met the rest of your family, you know, the one that you don't want the neighbors to see coming over to your house, you know. You don't want them calling the police because they thought they heard Negro, right, 
And so, so much more, you know, like I said, you know, sometimes I'm laughing, other times I'm getting angry, and, you know, so much, so much shit going on right there. But let's go on, let's pull this caller into the conversation. All right, may we ask who's calling? Yeah, my name is Shane. 989. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Hello. Uh, I just have to disagree with you on a few points here. Uh, first, uh, the whole woman march thing going on right now, it's not about rights. Because you cannot name me one right that a man has that a woman does not. Okay? So if if we're talking, you know, about equality, it's already on the board. All the laws are in place. Equity is there. So what it is is really about yeah. is about taking a, oppression and turning it into political power. And it's been this way for a long time. It's been this way with the, the feminist movement since the third wave. It's been this way with social justice warriors. You're talking about them co-opting everything. Yes, because they realize that every single oppression point gains them power. If you're a black woman, you get to speak first because you've been historically oppressed. It doesn't matter if you're being oppressed now. You're being historically oppressed. Now, I'm a uh, straight white male who's cis. I'm now told to speak last because I don't have a right to speak on topics anymore, such as race or sex or anything like that. So what this is turning into now is that uh, and, and we can use the University of Missouri for an example. Mm-hmm. We're having a, a reverse effect on racism now. It used to be that it was clear-cut white America was racist against the black community or, or any minority. But that's not true anymore. And I can tell you that uh, between me and my friends, we don't discuss race anymore. But what's happening now is that – So wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. Are you are you telling me that race, you know, there is no such thing as racism anymore? Are you saying that we live in a post-racial or colorblind society? No, no. Society? That's, that's I, I need for you to define it. No, well, no, no. It's not so much a strawman argument. I'm asking, you, I'm asking you to expound on what you said. So you made that statement, and I need for you to expound on it. I'm I, Okay, correction. It's, it's not as prevalent in white communities as 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 it's made out to be. Okay, it used to be prevalent in white society that 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 it was just universally we hated minorities. That's not the case anymore. Do individuals who are racist exist? Absolutely. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, Mexican, any skin color, you could still be a racist. But and here's the funny catch to this: <laughs> we're now seeing racism come out of the black communities towards white people. Condone it. They start changing the terms of racism, and this is true. I'm sure you've heard of this. Uh, racism no, now. and is, and um, what's so interesting uh, is, you know, what's so interesting about that is here we go with this reverse racism thing. And what's so interesting is number one, you know, our little libertarian friend there, uh huh, um, you know, is coming out with some of the same arguments that we've heard from a number of white people you know, especially most recently. And black people, people of color, we do not have the power to be racist. 
Let's let's start with that. And two, yes, quite a few black, I'm sorry, quite a few white people are still racist. I mean, you know, you're saying that, you know, you're not seeing it, you're not hearing it in your neighborhoods very much. The reason for that is because no black people live there. So you're not, and if there are black people that live there, they're very few, but they're that black friend you like to tell everybody about, that you like to meet at the bar, that you never bring home, right? And so, you know, what's so interesting is, you know, how they are trying to flip the script and trying to tell black people that we're the ones who are racist because we're we keep talking about race. And it's so interesting that he brought up the University of Missouri because, you know, you have one particular social justice warrior that's out here or human rights or civil rights activist that um you know defended you know one particular gentleman that you know created havoc at the University of Missouri when the students started calling out the racism on campus. And so, the, you know, he's bringing the same type of apologetics into this particular, you know, this argument. And you're going to hear this a lot from white people because I'm pretty sure some of you all have seen some of those viral videos in which white people are out here screaming that they're being discriminated against because they are white. And what's so interesting about that is the fact that, again, what we're seeing now with the election of Donald Trump, and, again, some of your friends out there that told you that they voted for Bernie or maybe voted for Jill or maybe they wrote in Lyndon LaRouche or, you know, you know Harambe, these are the same people. They voted for Donald Trump. They're just too ashamed to tell you that they voted for Donald Trump. And... And it's ridiculous. And so, you know, you get them, and you see, you know, they don't mind calling up the show, but I get some of these drive-by callers here and there. And what's so interesting is that any time you bring up a point, they want to say that it's a straw man argument, right? And then they refuse to expound on what they're saying. Why? Because they're all using the same talking point. And they use those particular talking points to attempt to shut down, you know, the conversation. And, you know, for those of you that are out there and you encounter people like this, you know, again, state the truth, tell them, you know, tell them your truth and let it go. Don't sit there and spend hours, you know, of your time you know, talking to them because these are the same people that will demand that you educate them and that you teach them. And, you know, what's so funny about the whole thing is is once you're done with the conversation, they still haven't learned anything, but what they did was they wasted your valuable time, and they did it on purpose. And this happens a lot, especially on the Internet. And so... Again, you know, as I was stating earlier, you know, you want to bring us out to come and talk to you and your group about racism. And what's so interesting is that you have many people like that that caller in in with your group of people. 
And once they get to the microphone and they start asking these obtuse questions and making these ignorant statements and you shut it down, then now all of a sudden you're hostile, you're angry, oh, don't invite them over anymore. And and it's just so funny, you know, because, again, you know, trying to silence and overshadow, you know, people who are out here who are vulnerable, who are being hurt, you know. And so what's so interesting was, you know, his 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 argument that, you know, black women or black people get to speak first and white people, particularly white men, get to speak last. When that's not necessarily the truth. And again, you know, here we go again, you know, with this creepy coated white center, right? And how it always goes back to whiteness, Eurocentrism, white privilege them losing their white privilege because they have to share a little bit more with other people. And so, you know, I'm sitting here and, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. But this is the type of stuff that we have to deal with. And, you know, being peaceful and civil has gotten us nothing. Now, I'm not saying not to be peaceful. I'm not saying not to be civil. You know, what I'm saying is do not allow anyone to come in and disrespect you. You know, and, and you know, on one hand, saying that, oh, no, you know, racism is bad. We must do more. We got to do better. But on the other hand, you know, now you know, now you all get the preferences and it's not right. And it's not that black people are getting any type of preference or special privileges or or what have you. That's not happening. It's just that, you know, when it comes to this bullshit that we're dealing with, you know, they're putting our stories on the news, but they're not putting all the stories on the news. They're just, you know, putting the ones that will stoke the fires, the ones that are sensational. Because, again, you know, the media in and of itself, you know, they need clicks. They need advertisers. They need sponsors. And they're going to put, you know, they're going to put on the news what will get them viewers, you know, what will catch the attention of people. You know, and and that's just how that goes. And just like with a lot of these politicians, some of them say some of the most outrageous things because they want your attention. And, you know, some of them actually mean that shit. And that's why we're in a situation that we're in now. You know, and so, again, you know, what's so interesting is, you know, there is a new movement and, you know, I, I saw some of the advertisements for it and some of the stories. So now you have white people, you know, walking around with T-shirts saying, not this white person. You know, and, and, and it's just, it's amazing. And so it goes back to what I said earlier, 
you know, with Professor Fleming. She said, we got white people running around leading the, quote, resistance, end quote, who can't even pick up the phone and talk to their Trump-supporting friends. You got a whole bunch of them. Now, what are you going to do about it? You know, and like I said, you know, some of these people, I want to ask if they had a lobotomy or something. And I'm pretty sure when I say that, I'm committing some type of ism or phobia. So please forgive me, but something isn't quite right. And none of this shit is adding up. And so we got to do better across the board because it all boils down to this. The one thing that all people understand, but especially white people, is money. And you don't have to give them yours. Not only that, you do not have to give them your words. You don't have to give them your likeness. You don't have to give them your resources, none of that. And that's not to say that there aren't some black people out here that are exploiting and manipulating others. Yes, it happens. I've had to deal with that several times within the past few years. And all I got to say is these people are full of shit. You know, how is it on one hand you, you, you know, you voted against your own interests and then you want to lead a march against the person you voted for. I'm not understanding. I think I'm a little intelligent, but I don't get that shit. You know, I'm proud of myself. I didn't get too tongue-tied today. But, um, yeah, I want you guys to go and pull that article, Republican lawmakers in five states propose bills to criminalize peaceful protests. So you saying people that went out for the women's march, are you gonna come out there and 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 march and write letters and make phone calls and demand that these lawmakers not victimize peaceful protesters? Are you gonna do it? I know how I'm hedging my bets. Big old goose egg. Nope. You know, and, and you know, some of you, it's just, it's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. But, again, it was a successful march. And, you know, I knew once this was being proposed and I started watching the commentary, I knew it was going to be an extremely successful march. But that still doesn't take away the fact that some of these Trump voting hypocrites are out here in the street crying and wailing and weeping because he's going to do what he said he was going to do that you knew about when you pulled the lever. So, again, no sympathy for you. Ain't nobody having any sympathy or empathy for us because if you did, he would not be in office. Now, you know, let me let me clarify something. I didn't like Hillary either. 
So that didn't leave too many choices. And, you know, I get that. But, nah, you know, um, Dr. Greg Carr, who's chair of, I think, the African-American Studies Department at Howard University, he said Trump is not an anomaly. He represents a fraction of America who will never accept a country where whiteness is not privileged or respected. You know, um, a young man named Tago, or it could be a young woman, not sure, but, you know, another tweet, if you're demanding oppressed people only use nonviolence as a tactic, you're either deeply ignorant or ahistorical or rooting for them to lose. So, yeah, there's so much more I can say on this, but, you know, I mean, why? Why? Because what's so interesting is these are some of the same people who scold and and disparage working class and poor whites for voting for Republicans, stating that they're voting against their best interests. And then you turned around and did the same thing. So... We still have a lot of work to do. We still have a lot of work to do. So anyway, guys, go out, do some research, you know, and, and you know, this, the march was successful. Yay. But I know for a fact that many, you know, women of color that went to this march you know, many of them felt marginalized, ostracized, discouraged. And I'm not saying all of them did. I'm just saying it was a few. You know, and, and what's so interesting is, you know, it was supposed to be inclusive. It was supposed to be about empowering women showing younger women that you can achieve some goals or or an agenda if you come together and work with one another, you know, work towards finding some type of reconciliation. But we can't have this conversation when you're still in denial denial about the issues that are prevalent even within your own communities. There's racism, you know, transphobia, a whole bunch of different things within the feminist movement in and of itself. And all these other movements, LGBTQ, so on and so forth, is nothing but a mirror image of society as a whole. These are just subcultures. And so... You know, it's really interesting when I have people saying, well, no, when I let go of A, B, C, D, and E, I let go of the racism or the homophobia or the sexism or the transphobia, xenophobia, Islamophobia, et cetera, so on and so forth. 
and they believe that, you know, since they switched teams, but that no longer exists, and it no, you know, they no longer hold those particular viewpoints. It's not that easy, buddy. You know, there's a lot of work, a lot of work that goes into letting go of old biases and stereotypes, you know, and isms and phobias. But it takes work. You have too many people out here that don't want to do the work, but they want someone to come and give them the shortcut, not realizing that you need to do the work to 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 be effective, to to be able to say that you honestly are no longer one of those isms or phobias. But you know, instant gratification is the name of the game, you know, in this country, and so. Again, like I said, this shit isn't so funny anymore, is it? Because now some of you on America sitting back and you're afraid. Afraid that you're going to be treated like, you know, other folks have been treated or mistreated. And you've said nothing. Or you may have said a thing or two to, to one or two people. But yet, you know, you still avert your eyes to act like you don't see it, to act like you don't hear it, to act like you don't know it, and to also act like that you're not part of the problem. That's step number one, admitting that you are part of the problem. And so, you know, I thank my reverse racism caller for calling in my libertarian buddy there, you know, and, you know, again, that's just another example of, you know, white people, again, centering their whiteness into the conversation, you know, being angry because they went to a Black Lives Matter rally and the Black Lives Matter people wouldn't hand them the microphone. The Black Lives Matter people wouldn't let them come in and and run the organization. You know, the Black Lives Matter wouldn't take the so-called solutions that you feel that you have that, that could just end all of this. You know, and that's one of the things that I find most interesting about many white people is they think that they're right about everything and that their opinion is, you know, is more weighted than yours. And that if we do what they want us to do, which is assimilate, then all of these problems will go away. It's not quite that easy. That easy. Maybe you can have a little conversation with one of your little black friends and maybe they can have time to sit down and go over this with you, which I'm pretty sure they do ad nauseum. And so, yeah, you know, this this whole march was problematic from the very beginning. And, again, you have these folks out here, and they create these problems, these issues, these messes, and 
you know, then you want to come and find, you know, women of color, and then we got to fix your shit. Because, hmm, it's amazing. Some of the very same people that you look down on, you go and and you command them to come to you and to fix the mess that you created and to support you while you don't reciprocate and to be that black friend that they can trot out when someone calls them racist. I put a meme on my wall. And, is, you know, basically it was talking about how, you know, some white people feel as though they're not racist because they have a black friend. And so the other part of the meme was talking about how serial killers, you know, have friends that are alive. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, um, yeah, you know, I guess. I don't know, but that white fragility as Dr. Anthea Butler, Auntie Anthea says, that white fragility is going to be, you know, the death to the rest of us. And so, like I said, I wasn't out there, you know, I've stood in solidarity with white people on certain other issues. And I will continue to do so. And, and, and again, you know, depending on the situation and the cause. But just to, you know, say that I have solidarity with white people just to have solidarity with white people, no. Especially when they are voting against not only their own best interests, but ours as well. Like I said, you know, some of you don't care what they do to the minorities or the communities of color or the marginalized people or the so-called forgotten people, as long as your life is hunky-dory and you get what you want. You know, see, you know, what's so interesting is you want your piece of the pie. You don't want the crumbs. The crumbs are reserved for the rest of us, especially the ones that are out here shucking and jiving for their dinner. So anyway, you know, I wonder how many of the people that marched, I wonder how many of them voted for Trump. I wonder how many of them really believe that black lives matter. I wonder how many of them believe that Latinx lives matter or Latino lives matter, Latina lives matter. How many of them believe that Muslims matter? And when and if they create that registry for Muslims to register on, how many of these same white people are going to register on that list? to inundate and overwhelm the system. 
And it's so funny because everybody wants to, you know, hop and leap and skip and jump and laugh and, you know, say that they're having such a good time, such as I saw yesterday. Who's going to be there to do the heavy lifting? Are we going to see these same women and men coming out to march when you have other communities coming out to march because of the injustices that are happening? And so what's so interesting is, you know, they want to take this particular movement and keep the momentum and, you know, actually work, do some work in the communities. That is what they are saying. Time will tell. But again, as I've stated before, what is justice and is justice limited? Is it limited to the people who look like you, who think like you, the ones that you deem noble and worthy? What is it? So, you know, actions speak louder than words, and we're watching. We are definitely watching. So we're going to see if you create, you know, a human shield around vulnerable communities, you know, and that goes beyond race and ethnicity. That goes beyond, you know, all of these different identities. That goes for anybody who's fucking vulnerable and that are about to get caught up in a system that is just going to chew them up and spit them out. I don't know. What do I know? A little black girl from the south side of Chicago. Anyway, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Once again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Everybody, have a good Sunday. See you next week. Take care. Goodbye.